Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This podcast episode is brought to you by clothing brand Just for the Culture. Don't just do it, own it. Its mission is to educate and inform everyone about black history and the rich culture that we celebrate. It wants to emphasize how the choices we make in life affect history and the legacy that we leave for future generations. For more information, visit justfortheculture.com. What's going on, guys? Happy first weekend of MLR Rugby Action in America, guys. Very excited for the new season. Welcome also to a brand new edition of the Believe in Rugby podcast show on the Believe Podcast Network, which is the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? So guys, I brought up the MLR 2021 season. It's kicking off this weekend with a full slate of games. Make sure that you guys sign up for a free account on the Rugby Network to catch the first weekend of games this weekend. First game on Saturday is around 6 p.m. between Rugby United New York and the San Diego Legion. And speaking of Rugby United New York, joining me on this week's episode of the podcast is a very exciting guest and general manager Steve Lewis, general manager of Rugby United New York, Steve Lewis. So Steve was born in Glasgow, Scotland and played all the way up until his mid-30s. He played rugby until he was about 34, 35. And during his 20s, he moved to the United States, went to school, and got his BA in international relations, and later on would get his master's in sports business, which would allow him to transition into uh, coaching and the business side of the rugby world. And so he was the 2016 and 2019 USA Rugby Coach of the Year to go along with being the coach of the Jamaican women's and men's national sevens teams. He is also a front office executive for Rugby United New York. So on the podcast, Steve talks a lot about his business uh, business experiences, the evolution of the Jamaican national team, and players and storylines he's looking forward to in the 2021 MLR campaign. Good evening. Thanks for your patience. Appreciate it. No worries. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Sure. Yeah, I was real excited to get you on here, especially before the start of the MLR season this weekend that's kicking off. Yeah. Real exciting, real exciting times. Good timing, yeah. Yeah, and uh, are you excited? How are you feeling? Yeah, it's, it's funny because like the last couple of months has been a, a slog, you know, and it's all been logistics and it's been quite challenging. Um, but now that we actually have just two more COVID tests between getting on a plane and playing a game. So, it's, you know, the rugby is getting closer, so I'm getting more excited. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I bet it's been a lot. It's been a challenge for sure. Um, but you're someone that has grown up in Scotland, I believe, correct? Yeah, so born in Glasgow, Scotland, um, which is kind of a football city, but but I went to a boarding school from a very young age and the sport was rugby. So from the age of five, I played rugby um, and football, but rugby was the predominant sport for me. So yeah, I, I grew up with it. It's what I always did. So, and I was there till I was 27 before I moved to the States. 
Okay, wow. Mm. I thought you moved a, a little bit earlier than that. But I didn't realize you stayed for that long. You were no, there. What are you saying I'm an old man? Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. <laughs> but um, so yeah, you played. So when did you stop your playing career? So I played sort of West of Scotland, Glasgow, you know, which is a good level. Glasgow is one below the national team, but I wasn't going to make the national team. Um, and I thought, all right, time to get on the rest of my life. And I, uh, so age of 27, I thought I took a summer in Vail, Colorado, right? It's one of the few places I play rugby in the summer in the mountains, Colorado. And, uh, you know, it was like Vail, Glasgow, Colorado, Glasgow. Where do I want to live the rest of my life? So I basically moved there at that time. And I played a little bit with Vail. Uh, classic Eagles, things like that. But I probably played till I was about 36, 37. And so when you came over to the U.S., you were the director of rugby. No, that that, that was came much later. Um, so when I came to the U.S., I lived in Colorado for 20 years, actually, right? So 10 in Vail, 10 in Denver. That's where I started coaching. And then I came to New York and I coached Old Blue. Um, I went back to school NYU got a master's in sports business because I, I felt that rugby was on the cusp of professionalism here in the states which it was and just finishing that degree I that's when I became um director of rugby for pro rugby which was the previous professional league that lasted one year so 2016 so I, I did that for one year uh, and ran that sort of five team league for one year yeah and it seems like that was a tall task, you know? It seems yeah, like you took on a was, lot of... Uh, you can look back at it fondly now, right? It was kind of the first sort of taste of professionalism. For a lot of guys in MLR actually got their first sort of uh, shot there. But um, it was, um, you know, it was hastily put together. You know, the owner was was a, is a difficult guy to work for. Uh, we, we sort of rolled the dice and... Um, got away with it you know we we finished the 30 game season with five teams and made loads of mistakes but that was inevitable and that's okay because it's allowed us to um or allowed me certainly not to make those same mistakes the second time around yeah how did you get involved with Rooney Rugby United in New York yep so I kind of got involved very early on with the initial owner James Kennedy he's a friend so just as they were getting into the league um, I was sort of working as a consultant for him for about I think four, four or six months, something like that. Um, and then the second go around, it was really last April, May, um, when the, you know it was a new new ownership. Boldens came in and they had a stake with James Kennedy. And there was a new uh, CEO or senior consultant, Rick Salizzo. So they sort of reached out to me in April, May, more to help with the um, retention and recruitment at that stage. And then it's kind of grown into operation stuff and community engagement stuff and, and everything else. What do you think, I guess, is the biggest change or evolution that you've seen from Rugby United New York from when you, um, from when you became a part of it to now? Yeah, I think the biggest change is this year is that it's in many ways much more professional, by which I mean, uh, last year, you probably half the players had other jobs. And so weren't available to train every day during the day. So it was kind of, in, in some ways, it was club plus, right? Semi-pro. So we made a conscious decision this year that we wanted, um, even though it was going to be a smaller squad, but we wanted more full-time guys, guys that could, could train every day as their job. 
Um, so I, I would say this year, and you know, the proof of the pudding is when they start playing, right? But the idea that you're training more regularly, you're together more often, more time together, more cohesive, should result in a more effective team, more efficient team. So that's probably the biggest change. Um, I also think you could say, and, and you could say this of most of the teams across the league, that there's an uptick in quality. When you look across the board, the quality of players in this Rooney squad are, uh, I believe, significantly higher than the first couple of years. Yeah, I've seen so, a lot of international players come in and attracted to the team and want to play here. I guess what or what has inspired the team to go out and do that? Okay, it's an interesting question because there, there's a sort of um, there's two sides to that. So why do we want international players? So we want international players because right now in certain positions, um, they're better, right? So in my opinion, and I, I am, you know, I've been here a long time now. I am, I've been involved in American rugby a long time. I'm biggest proponent, fan, supporter, promoter of American rugby, but there aren't enough American players of requisite quality to populate 12 teams. So you've got, you've got to have some foreigners, right? Um, not necessarily just in key positions, but it's, it certainly raises the level of the whole league. The key, though, is not just getting a foreigner because he's a foreigner, right? And, and the idea is also not to get... You always see in, in situations like Major League Rugby where players coming to the end of their career somewhere else see it as a sort of, you know, final paycheck, bit of a jolly. Um, so you've got to be conscious of that. Yes, there are some big names that have come through the league, um, but I think what you'll see now is you're seeing, you're seeing guys who have a point to prove still. Um, so there's a lot of mitre 10 guys from New Zealand who haven't quite made super rugby. And the other interesting thing is there, the mitre 10 competition in New Zealand fits into the calendar. So you, that, when that's done, MLR starts, MLR. So these guys get two bites at the cherry. So they can have a contract here and a contract there and they make a, a decent living, a better living. So there's, it's international players that who do you want, who's available, who's worth it, what can you afford? You know, we have a salary cap, so it's not a case of just saying, I want A, B, and C. You've got to, um, you've got to, you've got to plan your team and you've got to decide, okay, I'm going to, if I spend a lot of money on this guy or, or a reasonable amount of money on this guy, I can only afford two guys at this level. So, so it's not just waving a magic wand and dialing up 10 foreigners. Right. No, I can tell that you guys put a lot of thought into it. I, you know, was on Rugby Rapid and I was talking to Matt about Andy Ellis and how I think that's a great signing for you guys, especially for the likes of Connor Buckley and Connor McManus and their development, what he can do for them, what he brings to the team as far as his skill set as well. I guess, what are you most uh, looking forward to for the upcoming season? Maybe a specific player, uh, player development, uh, team concept that has just been implemented. What are you looking forward to in 2021 from Rugby United New York? Yeah, I mean, I, I think on one level, right, we're all coming out of this pandemic, this COVID nonsense. And um, I think just from the point of view of the game, whether it's amateur, whether it's kids, college, club, even MLR, it's just important we get back on the field and we play. So I'm kind of grateful that we are in a position we can go again Saturday. So that's kind of a sort of holistic way of looking at it. From a Rooney perspective, New York perspective, you know, obviously, as you said, we put a lot of thought into this team. And it actually was about six, seven months ago, this team was 
was um, conceived. So I'm looking forward to seeing these guys. I mean, I've seen them now practicing for a month, but I'm looking forward to seeing the sort of fruits of our labors uh, on the field. It's like, you know, you bought race horses, but you haven't seen them race yet. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing these guys do their stuff. Um, a lot of different individuals you've touched upon, different narratives. Andy Ellis coming to the end of her career. What can he do? And then you've got these two young bucks, the two corners, you know, coming up at the other end in that position is exciting. Um, Apanisa Thakabalavu, our Fijian winger. I think he's going to be a showstopper. Looking forward to seeing him. Um, Wilton Robolo, Brazilian hooker prop. He's going to be, you know, he's on a longer term contract. He'll be interesting. And then the key New York guys, right? You've got your Fawcett's, your Brakeley's, you know, the guys that have been the sort of backbone of the team. Yeah. Uh, around the league, what else, what are, what are some other teams that stand out to you or, you know, some other matchups that you're looking forward to in the MLR? I think, I think um, as with any sport, you, you need rivalries, right? So we're sort of looking to, I mean, you, you can't, you can't manufacture it, but you can sort of nudge it a little bit, I suppose. So New England Free Jacks, we want that to be a big rivalry. DC, because um, geographically, obviously, those are the two, North and South, um, and New York, Boston, in and of itself, is always a rivalry. So I, I see those, those as um, attractive uh, fixtures because of the rivalry concept. Uh, obviously, LA are bringing, you know, the Galacticos. They got the, the they got the, um, the highly touted, well known, uh, big name roster. So playing at Los Angeles will be quite exciting. I think. I think Austin as a team probably is going under the radar. I think they've done some very good work in terms of recruitment on and off the field. I think they'll be much, much stronger this year. So, but again, we haven't played in a year, right? And um, all the teams, most of the teams are probably more than 50% new. So it, it's it's exciting because you really don't know what's going to happen until you get on that field. And Austin had a game against LA on Saturday. And it was a barn burner, 43-38. So I think that's kind of – that might be a sign of what might be to come for the upcoming season. Yeah, I mean, yes, you can critique individual games. But, you know, um, some people it's like, you know, one nil in baseball is a, is a beautiful thing for a purist, right? So 43-38, is, is that bad defense? Is it good attack? Is it a bit of both? You know, who knows? Yeah, let's see. I think that rounds out. Oh yeah, just really quick. Speaking about the uh, the Tokyo competition, the seventh competition. I guess, what are some other teams that stand out to you in that competition uh, that might slide under the radar that many people might not expect to do well? Yeah. So again, Tokyo Olympics is going on a year after it should have, um, with very little international competition in that interim period. I mean, the Eagles got back in the field in Madrid there. Uh, there's going to be the LA sevens is going to be the month before the Olympics. But, but what, what you're basically saying that the teams that were ready to go last summer are now an, an all a year older. So certain players who were, you know, it was their last hurrah. Have they still got it a year later? Um, so on, from an individual basis, it's going to be interesting. Can, can players replicate the form um, that they, they showed last year? In terms of teams, um, I think 
I think the women, Amer the, the American women, are better poised to meddle than the men right at the moment. Um, it's been very difficult for both them and other countries to, to, to prepare. Um, so if you ask me which teams, I mean, you, you, you've got to look at the, the, the sort of traditional historical uh, powers of sevens, you know, Fiji, New Zealand, South Africa on the men's side for sure. And then the women's side, you can throw in Australia and uh, Canada. Women are very successful. And where, where do our American teams fit against, fit up against them? And, you know, if there was a real Cinderella story in Jamaica qualified, which would be a tough ask, I'd be talking about Jamaica. But it's going to be very difficult for Jamaica to get through, you know, given the, you know, there's other countries in repressage. On the men's side, there's still France, Ireland, Samoa. You know, they're pretty strong teams, you know. Um, yeah, women's side, France, Russia. So, so the Olympics is vital that it happens. Um, with or without fans, I'm, I'm, I think they're looking towards going with just domestic fans, Japanese fans, rather than having people come in. But either way, it's really important for sevens that the Olympics happens because it's the um, it, it's the it's the pinnacle, right? It's the aspirational part, and it's also the part that drives a lot of funding. So a lot of a lot of sevens programs, even in the U.S., the U.S. Olympic Committee is actually the main, along with the Golden Eagles. They are the people that fund our sevens teams. It's not really USA Rugby. USA Rugby is essentially bankrupt. So, so the success of the Olympics um, bankrolls sevens, and in particular helps countries like the US. As far as Jamaica, you know, I was watching a segment on Rugby Wrap Up from a few years ago. You were having a conversation with Matt about uh, the potential of Jamaica becoming, uh, you know, just a better program, you know, being like a Kenya. Uh, I think that's a team that you guys compared them to. How far along are they, do you think, in, in that evolution? Yeah, about a year ago, it was going quite well. I mean, because we're playing regularly. We played in that World Challenger Series, finished 8th out of 16, which is the second tier, right? So that ranks you 24, 25. Um, so we, but we beat Portugal, first European team. We beat the African team, Zimbabwe, Uganda. And it was it was on an upward trajectory until you know COVID. So so who knows? I mean, we haven't been able we haven't had the preparation um, that we would like to have had, and so it's, everything's kind of been put on hold for years, and, and you don't quite know what's going to come out the other side yet. But hopefully, we go again. There's certainly the athletic talent, and for get for a country like Jamaica, sevens is ideal, right? You don't need um, you don't need twenty athletes, twenty five good players. You need eight, you know, ten. You can get away with eight, right? And you can, and you've got, as I said before, athletic DNA speed. Can't coach it. So th th there's a lot of great athletes there. It's just playing regularly, developing the rugby IQ, and then exposing them to to good competition on a more regular basis. Those are the key factors. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's impressive. You know, I think you guys finished second in that qualification tournament, right? Yeah, we got blown out of Canada in the final. But, you know, over, over the last, up, up till, again, up till COVID, we had played Canada, Argentina, USA, France, Ireland, Spain, Tonga, 
So we, we'd been starting to be able to test ourselves against, you know, eight, 10 World Series teams. Uh, and, and that's what you need to do. It needs that repetition. It's like, you're not there yet. You're not there yet, but you're never going to close that gap until you're playing these guys all the time. Um, that's the issue. So... Well, yeah, like you said, I'm sure the team will find its footing when it starts to get games back under their belt. But Steve, I want to take this time to thank you for giving me your energy and your time to come on the podcast. And no worries. I wish you nothing but the best uh, with Rugby United New York moving into the upcoming season. Yeah, any anytime you want to on anything else, you know, I know you're doing your your thing with Matt now and Rugby Wrap Up. That's great to see. So, um happy to just even if you want to chat or you want to get some background on anything just give me a bell if you are enjoying this podcast please subscribe and rate five stars if you believe that it deserves it you can find this podcast on spotify apple music stitcher luminary and tune in i hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with General Manager of Rugby Night in New York, Steve Lewis. Don't forget to catch the first weekend of MLR games tonight, only on the Rugby Network for free, starting with Rugby Night in New York versus San Diego at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. With that being said, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Believe in Rugby podcast show, and I'll be back soon with next week's episode. Bye-bye. Your biggest challenge isn't someone else. It's the ache in your lungs, the burning in your legs, and the voice inside you that tells you you can't. But you don't listen, you push harder. And then you hear the voice whisper, can. And you discover that the person you thought you were is no match for the one you really are. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube